Let's pray. Lord, thank you for our time together so far. And Lord, every Sunday it is such a blessing to hear the joy, the joy of relationships, the joy of shared lives, because really uh, that's, that's what it is. It's to be in relationship with you and relationship with the church. And, and Lord, so thank you. And Lord, thank you again for uh, what you're doing here uh, in this local body and through this local body in the community and around the world. And, and so, Lord, uh, today as we continue looking at, at really your word and, and how uh, to appropriate it, how to walk in faith and obedience, Lord, even in the, the areas that may challenge us directly, um, things that maybe we don't even like or want to hear, Lord, I pray in the power of your spirit through your word that you will uh, set us free. Lord, bring freedom today. Bring joy uh, for many that perhaps have, have wondered why they feel stuck uh, in their walk, why they feel like um, maybe they're just in neutral and they're, they're doing a lot of activity, but, but they don't seem to be making progress. Lord, I pray that today, uh, Lord, there would just be an incredible, powerful movement where you bring clarity and freedom through the power of your Holy Spirit, through the preaching of your word. So we love you. We love your word and continue to, to submit our wills to you this morning in Jesus name. Amen. Last Sunday, we uh, announced, you know, that the Bibles in your rows there uh, not only changed color, but they changed translation. They went from red NIV 1984s to black ESVs or English Standard Versions. And we spent last Sunday explaining why that change, why we feel it's, it's beneficial. And, and really, it's a house Bible. It's, it's for you to use when you're here. It's what we pray through and, and read from. But really, you're still free to, to really seek the Lord, prayerfully seek the Lord uh, in what translation uh, you, would, you would be called to use. You know, it's okay. It's okay. It's just what we call our house Bible. It's the English Standard Version. And as I was thinking of that, I, I thought back to the beginning of the year where uh, I told the story of, of Vince Lombardi, a famous coach, right, Green Bay Packers, and, and he had this tradition at the start of each training camp, even after the Green Bay Packers went to the Super Bowl and lost, he went back uh, in, in training camp, and, and when the guys gathered, right, these professional, all pro players, he would hold up a football, and the first thing he would say to start the season off would say, gentlemen, this is a football. Speaking to a team that just went to the Super Bowl and lost, speaking to guys who have been playing with a football since Ojai Eagles, right? And, and he would start his training camps with the most fundamentals of fundamentals. This is a football, right? And, and it launched us in the beginning of the year into understanding, thank you, Scott, into understanding fundamentals, this is a Bible. And we spent uh, the first part of the year coming back all the way to the fundamentals. The fundamentals, because if you think about it, when Jesus called his first disciples, he didn't give them some huge lecture and, and all this PowerPoint and all this. What did he say? Hey, follow me. Hey, come follow me. Come into relationship with me, follow me. Uh, it, it was the rabbi-student relationship where, where students would choose to follow rabbis and not just understand and learn their teaching. When I was a student and I committed myself to a rabbi, I didn't want to just learn from him. I wanted to be him. I wanted to speak like him. I wanted to mimic his mannerisms. That was the nature of the rabbi-student relationship in that culture. So when Jesus says, hey, come follow me, he doesn't mean, hey, just come on Sundays and have your head filled with more knowledge, go to more conferences, read more books, you know, turn on your podcast. He wasn't talking about filling our heads with more knowledge. He literally says, come follow me. Be with me. Be with me. Right? We, we talked about that prayer months and months ago. May you be covered in the dust of your rabbi. What a great prayer, right? May you be covered in the dust of your rabbi. So in that culture, all these students would be following their rabbis, and they wanted to follow so closely that as they walked on the dirt path, the, the dust, that's how closely they were following. Because they, they wanted to be and hear and speak. Like they wanted to be the rabbi, right? So ultimately, they would go to the place where they could get their own students. 
right? May you be covered in the dust of your rabbi. And it's really out of relationship, a fundamental relationship. Not overly complicated, but how many of you found it not very easy at times to follow Jesus, right? Not complicated, right? But man, oh man, challenging in the simplicity sometimes because of the battles with the flesh and and our past and the world and all that. And so last week we said we're transitioning to the English Standard Version, and, and there was a passage of Scripture that I shared that, that really I felt like we're going to just land here today just to kind of advance the ball, if you will, a little bit, uh, in the fundamentals, coming back to the importance of Scripture, right? In Second Timothy 4, it says this, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. Last week we shared that this is really fundamental. You ask, hey, you're the senior pastor here. You're the lead pastor. Like, yeah, what are you supposed to be doing? Are you like a glorified cruise director around here? Like, what are you supposed to be doing? What's your job? So fundamentally my job, my calling, is to preach the word. That's what, that's, that's what this, if you look at our statement of faith on the website, the very first statement of faith, and we read it last Sunday, is the Word of God. Truth, right? That's what we're about. And then it keeps going. It says, for the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and don't wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry, right? So, so Paul is saying, hey, Timothy, here's your, here's, here's your core job description. You've got to preach the word, bro. Preach the word. You've got to be ready in season now. That's foundational. That's priority number one. It's priority number, number one for the church. And he says, and yet I've got to be honest with you. In verse 3, for the time is coming when people... Very interesting. What people are, is, he, is he talking about? He's talking about the church. For the time is coming when people in the church will not endure sound teaching, but have itching ears. They will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off in the midst. He says, hey, Timothy, preach the word, be ready, rightly divide it. But I'm going to tell you, you're not going to be the most popular guy in town. In fact, people who are professing believers who profess to believe that that is a Bible, you know what? They're going to bail. There's going to come a time, right? That word endure means to put up with. They're not going to put up with sound teaching. That word sound teaching or sound doctrine, the word picture is health, like wholeness, without error, like the ultimate soul food. They're not going to put up with you preaching healthy doctrine, things that will spiritually prosper them. They're not even going to, they're not going to want it. They're not going to want it. Why? Because they have itching ears and they're going to go out there and they're going to find people who are going to basically justify and validate what they want. Right? And it's strange because there's no shortage with technology and the internet and Google and yada, yada, yada. You can find anything, anybody to support any position you want pretty much these days. That's what's going on. This is in the church. He says, preach the word for the time is coming in the church when the church, they're not going to endure. They're not going to put up with it. Right. Second Timothy four, three says in different version, NIV, for the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. In the New Living, it says, For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. Right? So it's it's kind of this this double-edged sword. When I say, hey, this is the Bible and we stand on God's truth, many of you say what? Amen. You celebrate that. But I know... The flip side is people will never come back through those doors because of what you just said amen to. That's my world. That's in my flesh, and in, in no one likes to be unpopular. No one likes to be labeled. No one likes to be criticized. No one likes to be blasted online. But I understand 
I'm called to a certain very specific calling. And the church, the people that will come, most of them will say, and some will never come back. And some will leave quietly and some will leave not so quietly, angry. And of course, you know, I'm the messenger, so you bear the brunt of that. That's, that's part of the deal. That's part of the deal for me, right? But even for you, because you're out in the community as well, right? And, and so it, it's, this, it's this challenge as we move forward in following Jesus to understand what's going on. Now, to help you in your own Bible study, I, I felt like it's important that, that you understand what's even going on here to bring it up to 2019. There's two two methods or two approaches to Bible study that, that really kind of conflict with each other. And you may have heard these words, but if it's new, it'll be good for you. They're called exegesis and eisegesis. Exegesis and eisegesis. There's the literal, literal meanings. Exegesis is to lead out of. Eisegesis is to lead into. So when you come here, when I'm called to preach the word of God, when I'm called to rightly divide the word of God, that's exegesis, expository preaching. What does that mean? It means I look at the historical context. I look at the grammar. I look at the, uh, the overall word of God as a whole, right? I look at the original language, the whole thing. What is the desire? What is the point of exegesis? It's to let the meaning, God's word, speak for itself, the meaning comes out of what's written. So you go through analysis, observation, interpretation. That's why I spend hours and hours and hours every week. Because believe me, it is weighty to stand up here. Anyone who has stood on this side, not just for you, but this is going out into the, into the world now via the Internet. This is a weighty deal. So I got to do my best. I'm like, Lord, please let this be accurate. Whether or not I like it, let it be accurate. So exegesis says, I'm going to study it, I'm going to look at the context, the literary style, the form, everything, so that I can do my best to exegete it and share with you what it's saying. Eisegesis, which means to lead into, means generally I bring my meaning into it. I bring my meaning into it. Kind of like this kind of... You gotta be real careful with this because sometimes you're in your small groups and you read a passage and here's a common phrase in small groups. What does this mean to you? Anyone ever hear that in a, in a, you know how dangerous that is? That's eisegesis. When you're in a group setting, you read a passage and you throw out this question. Hey, what does this mean to you? Slash, how do you feel about this? Suddenly you've slid from exegesis to eisegesis because now I'm bringing my meaning and my feelings into the text. I'm making it say what I want it to say. This is what Paul's talking about. Is that in the church, people aren't going to necessarily want to let God speak for himself. Right? And we understand that in the last 10 years, right? The whole issue of the existence of hell. There's your great example of exegesis versus eisegesis. Letting scripture speak for itself versus I don't really like the idea or the concept of the existence of a future torment. Therefore, the Bible cannot say that. That's exegesis versus eisegesis. Okay? So here we are called to exegete the word of God. If you come here on Sundays, whoever is behind this piece of wood is called, has the ultimate responsibility when we say turn to this verse and says, hey, this is what the verse means and here's the application. It is letting the word of God through the spirit speak for itself. Now, in some passages, we're going to go, woohoo, right? If I say, hey, based on the word of God, if you're a believer in Jesus, right now your name is written in the book of life. Well, wow, okay. <laughs> Y'all, okay. Right? That's a woohoo moment, right? Based on the Word of God. Now, if I say, hey, based on the same Word of God, Jesus says, if you love me, you'll obey me. <laughs> okay, more woohoos than here. This side's like, oh man, really? You have to bring out the old word. Same Word of God. 
right? Same word of God, but in our culture, especially our very feelings-driven culture, when we hear something, our first inclination these days is, what do I think about that and how do I feel about that? What do I think and how do I feel? And based on the response, I will choose whether or not to obey or not or varying levels. Right? Right? That's what makes, that's what makes following Jesus not overly complicated, but man, oh man. How many of you have like uh, had this season where you just felt like you were growing with Jesus? Like, yeah, you're good. God making progress. Anyone? Right? You're like, yeah. And then suddenly he speaks to you through one passage, and it just seems to come to a screeching halt. Ah! Oh, right? Uh, forgive as I have forgiven you. Lord, I'll go to Haiti. I'll go to Mexico. I'll even serve kids. But you're asking me to forgive that person? Ah! You see? These seasons when God, God's word speaks very specifically to you and to me. And there's moments that we have to choose. But he's saying here, there's going to come a time. Hey, Timothy, just, just telling you, there's going to come a time when people are going to have itching ears. Right? I love what, what Run Ryder said. People in the church, they're going to want massages and not messages. I was like, that's pretty good. I wish I thought of that. Right? They want to be entertained and not edified versus edified. Right? Massages versus messages, entertained versus edified. Whew. Right? Now, how many of you enjoy, actually look forward to coming to church? Not to hear me, but just the church experience. It's a beautiful thing. Amen? You show up. I am blessed. You know, I get here oftentimes before the sun gets up, but then people trickle in. And I just love being in my office and hearing laughter and joy and people sharing lives and setting up and activity and the, suddenly, you know, in a few hours, this place is life. I love that. It's a joyful thing. The church is a beautiful thing, even with all its imperfections, right? Because we all share this commonality that we're all in this sanctification process together. And yet we're all challenged at times with itching ears. We all have a case of itching ears, kind of like, oh, man, I don't know if I like that one, right? John MacArthur says, they won't tolerate strong biblical teaching because it confronts and refutes their errors and calls for their obedience. By adopting the ways of the world, much of the professing church has become corrupt and perverse. Apart from a dramatic change, the pressure will continue to intensify against those who speak the truth. From within, from within. And it's a very challenging. I mean, for me, you're talking about faith step, right? Because I celebrate numbers. You know, we, we, we try to get a sense of how many. We celebrate. We moved in here two years ago. We doubled in size. Many of you have come in the last two years. Awesome. So I celebrate more and more people coming. You're inviting your friends from the neighborhood and yada, yada. It's awesome. But I'm challenged by this verse in this passage because if we're going to stay true, which we will, our success cannot be measured numerically. It just can't. That's just, just not. If I go that way, the temptation for me will be to fill seats. And it's not too hard to fill seats, especially in churches. I just got to shift it a little bit and tickle your ears, tell you what you want to hear, compromise, water it down, make it all about you. And how God's going to meet your needs and how everything's going to be wonderful. And this place will probably fill up. It really would. If we stay true to the word of God, we collectively, we collectively have to count that cost. Now, I'm not afraid of it and and, and I understand it, but I settled that 30 years ago. But I also settle it every Sunday before I come up here in my office. I settle the issue, you know. In one sense, I fall on the sword every Sunday. I stand up here because it can't be about me. The minute it's about me, I slide into man-pleasing. And what are they going to think about this? And ooh, that's a zinger, you know. Because, see, your perspective right now, you're looking at the back of everyone's head. I see everyone's faces. (laughs) That's the challenging part. 
That's it. Yeah, right. So someone's doing this. Mark's over here like this, sleeping again. You know, I mean, I see it all. I see it all on a Sunday, right? I know who like had a stayed up late Saturday. I know all that. I know couples who have been fighting on the way here. It's just the body language busts all of you. It's amazing. It's amazing. It's like, how come that couple, like, what happened? We need to talk. You know what I mean? Not, not you specifically, Dennis and Sarah. You guys are great. I know that. I know. You guys are great. You're good. But like, like, like Mark and Kathy. Like, Mark, why is your wife sitting back there? What happened, bro? Come on. I mean, you're an elder in the church, and your wife is sitting. She's the lead of women's. And she's like 50 rows behind you, bro. Like, come on. Right? We have to count the cost together. Right? We have to count the cost together. Right? But, but this, this has gone on even in the Old Testament. People have, have really, their hearts have not wanted to hear God's word. There's this picture in Jeremiah. It says, thus says the Lord, stand by the roads and look and ask for the ancient past. The ancient past in reference here is God's ways. Where it says, ask for the ancient paths, where the good way is, and walk in it, and find rest for your souls. But they said, we will not walk in it. I set watchmen over you, saying, pay attention to the sound of the trumpet. But they said, we will not pay attention. So these people are at a fork in the road. God says, hey, just ask. Ask for the ancient paths, my ways. It's good. You'll find rest. Nope. I'm going to do it our way. Nope. Thank you very much. Right? Proverbs 12:15 The way of a fool is right in his own eyes but a wise man listens to advice. Proverbs 14:12 There is a way that seems right to a man but its end is the way of death. Right? This tendency to want to kind of do it our own way, lean on our own understanding. No, I really think this is what it means. I I want to go this way. You know? I think about it even in John 6. Jesus feeds, miraculously feeds 5,000 people, right? You know the story. Very familiar, right? So he meets their felt need of hunger and and supernatural. Boom, right? 5,000 people get fed, right? So their felt needs. They come back and, you know, maybe wanting more food. And Jesus kind of switches it from felt needs to what he knows is their real needs. They're real needs. And he says in John 6, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. He just fed 5,000 people bread, so he's shifting gears. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven, so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever, and the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. So they just fed him, right? Bread, fish. Now he's shifting gears away from their felt needs to their real needs, which is him, a spiritual relationship with him, right? Look what happens, John six sixty. When many of his disciples heard it, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, do you take offense at this? Right? So it's all good. We're eating. We got donuts. We got coffee. We just had a barbecue. It's real feel good at the well. And then we shift to real needs. That's code for grumbling in the church, if you didn't know, right? And then he says this. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the twelve, do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Right? So, feeds them, felt needs, everyone's excited, enthused. Hey, dude, check this out. Miracle, miracle, miracle. Jesus shifts to real needs. Hey, I am the bread of life. You need to have a relationship with me. They all bail. Thousands leave. For what reason? Because he spoke the truth. He spoke to their real need. And you know what? They bailed in droves. So many that he finally turns to his boys and said, you going too? You out? He said, where else are we going to go, Lord? You have the words of life. You see, they had made a decision. They had made a decision about how they were going to receive what was coming from Jesus. It's the words of life. It wasn't just about getting my needs met, right? In Isaiah uh, there's a powerful passage. It says this. 
Now go and write down these words. Write them in a book. They will stand until the end of time as a witness that these people are stubborn rebels who refuse to pay attention to the Lord's instructions. They tell the seers, stop seeing visions. They tell the prophets, don't tell us what is right. Tell us nice things. Tell us lies. Forget all this gloom. Get off your narrow path. Stop telling us about your Holy One of Israel. Wow. Man, oh man. I read that. Don't tell us what is right. Tell us nice things. Tell us lies. Now here's the crazy thing. If I were to do that, we would have to go to two or three services. If, if, if the well was about telling you nice things, we would be bursting at the seams if we stayed there. And I understand that, right? It's challenging. And yet how many of us, the challenge bringing it down to the personal lovers, how do you and I respond when God's word speaks to us and we're just, ah, oh, that's a tough one, Lord. Ah, oh, right? MacArthur goes on to say, many churches today are filled to overflowing with those who want their ears tickled with the myths of easy believism and the many variations of selfism and so-called positive thinking. They come to have their egos fed and their sins approved, not to have their hearts cleansed and their souls saved. They want only to feel good, not to be made good. Tragically, such myths serve to religiously insulate people from the true gospel and drive them still further from the Lord. You see, why, why can I not go down the road? Why can we not go down the road of watering it down and, and dealing with and ministering to itching ears? I love this quote because in the end, it will be devastating to your spiritual health. In the end, as he says, it will drive you further from the Lord. It's we can't do that. That, that. That's not shepherding. That's not loving you. That's appeasing. That's trying to fill up a room. But if we're going to speak the truth, it's really honestly because we love you. And we believe with all our heart that a relationship with God and walking in faith and obedience is what's best. And I know this is kind of like, wow, this is one of those messages. You're like, man, this is kind of heavy. And, and here's the thing. It's challenging because it shouldn't be. Walking with Jesus should be the joy thing. In fact, he says in John 10, 10, I have come to give you life and life what? Abundantly. This relationship with Jesus isn't all a bed of roses, but man, it shouldn't be a somber exercise in like sloshing your way through life. If that's your vision, you're missing out what it is to follow Jesus, right? In fact, I shared with you, we spent a year on Romans 12 about transformation, and this is really a wonderful picture, that word when it says in Romans 12, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That word transformed is metamorphosis, the same thing that happens here. So as a believer, you put your faith in Jesus. As Christians, we're not called to be better caterpillars, the best version of ourselves as a caterpillar. That is not it. As a believer, we are literally going through transformation where we are a new creation. Amen? And we're learning to walk in newness of life. That's what we're about. That's where it gets challenging, though, because if you look on this spectrum, it was, since it's not an overnight deal, and some of us are making progress, and sometimes if we get stuck, maybe on the spectrum there, maybe we're stuck somewhere in our sanctification, it's because you're being challenged to obey. You're being challenged to obedience. You kind of have made progress. You've made good progress. You've been obedient in a lot of areas. And God's like, okay, now it's time to deal with this one. And you're a little bit, you don't know what to make of it right now. That you're, looking, you're tempted to go find another pastor that supports your position. You're tempted to go find a book. You want to go to a conference because you're trying to, you, this, this word of God is, is making you real uncomfortable with this one. And so there's a part of you that, peace out. I'm going to call it good. Halfway through, I'm good. Name's written in the book of life. I'm good, right? And we just kind of call it good and slides in the cruise control. I encourage you, you got to hang in there. you got to hang in there. The church isn't necessarily, it's not like we have a bunch of overt, extroverted rebels around here. In my life and in your life, maybe, our challenge with following Jesus is what I call more passive rebellion. 
more selective obedience. We're real quiet about it. We have those areas where we kind of say, well, God understands. You know? So I, I get this, and this is kind of like, okay, Lord, how do we do this? And, and I thought about kind of this undercurrent of why is it that I, when I'm struggling with obedience in an issue, what is it that prevents me from maybe just taking that one baby step, that one little step, right? I was so encouraged this week. I got a, I got a text from a brother. Um, he says, hey, can we meet for coffee? And I had time to say, sure. And we met, and part of our time together, he said to me, you know, I was reading scripture. This verse popped up, and I kind of got convicted about it. And I, I, wanna, I want some counsel from you about the situation at work that I'm dealing with in light of this verse. And, da, 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 da. and he was kind of convicted about how he was going about something at work. And the word of God had spoken to him through the Holy Spirit. He says, I, I, I know kind of what God's saying, but I need confirmation. And he got it. I said, yeah, I, I think the word of God is telling you that you're probably not handling it right based on the word of God. But I love that because he, he, he opened up. He asked. The Holy Spirit was convicting him. The Bible is living and active. He just wanted counsel from another brother. I'm kind of sensing this, and God's kind of convicting me already, but can I share this with you, what's going on in my life? Can you help me? And I'm like, sure. And I'm like, yeah, pretty much uh, what the Word says is what the Word says, bro. And we had this wonderful discussion about how he was going to practically work it out in his work situation, appropriately, God-glorifying, right? And so he's, he was willing. He's opened up his life, and he's willing to you know, take a step of transparency, a step of authenticity, a step of, hey, I read this. I'm kind of feeling like God's talking to me. Can you help me with this? And then I'm like, what is it sometimes that challenges us to even take a baby step of obedience in these areas? And so I thought of a video. I showed this about nine years ago when we were at the Wesleyan Church. And I want to share it again. Obedience is a super serious issue, but this shouldn't be somber. And, and I'm like, how do we balance this, Lord? Because this is one of those, you know, I get it because I was, I've sitting there, like, you sit there and you're like, man, I'm a loser. Like, man, I'm a rebel. Man, God doesn't like me. I mean, it's one of those messages, and I pray, I'm like, Lord, how do we not make this message like where everyone leaves bummed out on Jesus? Because <sighs> back to the JV, you know, back to the bench because I'm a rebel because I have itching ears, you know? No. I want to show this video, and then we're going to talk about practical steps to deal with the issue of itching ears, if you feel like you need a spiritual Q-tip, okay? Let's watch this. I got a, got a big butt. It's gigantic. I'm going to be blunt about it. And you know what? The funny thing is, I got several big butts. And, and, and before you before you discard me or, or wince at the disgusting notion of that, I'm going to go out on a limb here and suggest that possibly you have at least one big butt as well. Yeah, you like that? Hurts a little, huh? Let me tell you something. Let me just tell you something, okay? Everybody we know has a big butt. And more often than not, it's the thing that actually gets in the way of us living a consistent life for Jesus. Yeah, I think you know what I'm talking about. I'm going to expound a little bit, okay? See if you can recognize some of these butts. But I have to work more. But my favorite TV show is on. But my kids have practice. But i got to tweet something. But it's such a beautiful day. But I'm just not in the mood. But I deserve a break today. You see, everything kind of interferes with my life of, of just living an authentic life for God, okay? And more often than not, it always has something to do with some sort of butt, okay? Even the littlest of butt can distract me. It really can. The littlest butt can make me think, ah, I'm not going to pray today. I'm not going to think about it today. I'm not going to deny myself. I'm not going to read the Bible, blah, blah, blah. Whatever God asks me to do, I seem to have a butt for it and get away, okay? And the most horrendously big butt of all time is the butt that gets in the way of me just hanging out with God and reading his word. It's true. Think about it. All the times you're about to open that, and all of a sudden a big giant butt gets in the way. A butt, much like one of these. But I got a farm bill. But I'm tired. But the game's over. But I read last Tuesday. But I got to check Facebook. But I don't like Leviticus. But it's too hot in here. But I, I just don't like books. But I don't understand it. But it's boring. But what does that have to do with me in the 21st century? Those are some ugly butts, people. Let's just call them what they are. Ugly. Ugly butts. 
Okay? And there's a lot more to them, sad but true. Here's a list, although not exhaustive, of some of the most popular butts known to mankind. But I don't have enough money yet. But others will think that I'm a nerd if I carry the Bible. But they won't like me if I talk about Jesus. But I don't know if God will do what I ask. But I just can't get motivated. But I'm afraid. But I don't have all the answers. But the small group is the same night as Monday Night Football. But can I just let my life speak for itself? But I'm not happy. That's not my gift. That's a pastor job. But I don't know how to pray. But I can't believe that. But I don't know where to start. But everybody else is having fun. Butts abound, friends. But, 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 but. Here a but, there a but. Everywhere a but, but. Okay? And, and, and the most overused but of all time, but I just don't have enough time. Really? Oh, come on. We have a lot of buts. God has given us a real simple word. Okay? If we learn it and we share it and we teach it and we live by it, then see, God gets glorified, people benefit, and then we get blessed. That's why we do what we do. That's the why behind the but. Okay? And ultimately, that's the whole point I'm trying to make here, my fellow butt lovers, is if your butt is bigger than your why then your butt's too big. Okay, it's time to, metaphorically speaking, snap into a slim gym. Okay, let's slap on some spiritual shape-ups and hit the road a little bit so we can just manage the butts a little bit. That's all we're trying to do. That's what we're talking about. Let's minimize the excuses. Let's shrink the butts. Shrink the butts. Say it with me. Shrink the butts. That's what we need to do. And you and I can do that together. We can conquer this. You and I can do it. We start the day, okay? I know we can. Let's just do it. No ifs, ands, or... Yeah. I think you get it. All right. Point made? All right, let's metaphorically shrink. We all have them. If we're honest, if we're honest, some of you this morning, you've you've kind of slid into maybe what I call the rabbit hole, and you're bummed, and you're feeling stuck, and, and, and you're really, the stuckness is because there's a but, that you have to be honest about. You have to really be honest about and, and, and then look biblically at it. And we're going to look at some practical steps of how to deal with the butts in our life, right? In fact, you're not alone. Just, just a word of encouragement. Remember the story in Exodus? Right? Supernatural event. God appears to Moses, burning bush, says, hey, you're a part of my great plan for this whole planet. I'm going to use you. To free your people. And what does Moses say? Exodus 4.1. Then Moses answered, But behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice. For they will say, Lord, the Lord did not appear to you. Exodus 4.10. But Moses said to the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent, either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant. But I am slow of speech and of tongue. Even Moses. Even Moses. Way back was dealing with but, but, but. Right? He's struggling with it. And so it's, it's common. The one thing that probably unites everyone in this room is some, some form of but. Something. You know. It's not rocket science. You read it. It's pretty clear in Scripture. And you are just trying to wiggle it around. And it's really a, 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 there's a but. Right? Might be Mexico. Mark has been asking us to pray about going. And right off the bat, some of you didn't even pray. You just said, but I don't have enough money. Did you pray about it? But I don't have enough money. Did you pray about it? But my, my, my boss isn't letting me off. You just jumped right to the butt. You didn't even seek the Lord genuinely. You didn't want to stretch your faith. You didn't want to grow. You didn't even ask your boss because you've written it all up. Like, oh, but I can't get the time up, but I can't afford it. But, 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 but. Even in a simple thing like praying, literally praying about going to Mexico. But that's how... Habitual we have become in the church. Not to want to endure sound teaching. We just write it off. Now we're not going to rebel outwardly, but we're going to kind of have this passive silent but. It's just, it's, you know, it's, it's one of those real, okay, God, but God understands. And we kind of use it as a justification. Right? Now, if you're visiting today and, and, and this is all kind of new and everything, uh, I hope it's foundational to you. Uh, and here's the thing. When I was first invited to the church and, and I'd, I'd kind of like been exposed to the word of God for the first time and being around evangelical churches and small groups, I had a lot of buts, even as a non-believer. It's like, but what about, and but what about, and, but I don't get, and, but 
That says, and I had this whole long list, and my encouragement to you, if you're here, if you're listening online and you're seeking the Lord, examine those buts, even where you're at. There's incredible resources out there. I shared with you about Josh McDowell's story, right? Josh McDowell went out to disprove Christianity based on the evidence. When Josh McDowell spent years looking at the evidence for Christianity, he became a believer based on the evidence. There's, he has incredible resource, evidence that demands a verdict. Right, Just came out with a new version of it. More than a carpenter. Read his testimony. He was an atheist, set out to disprove Christianity, became a Christian in the process. Lee Strobel, journalist, atheist, examined Jesus, became a believer in his journeys, the case for Christ. If you have a friend who's got a lot of butts, butts, butts about Jesus and about the faith, Lee Strobel, his books. Incredible answers to even the butt questions. You don't have to be afraid of them in the church. Right? But what about creation? But what about heaven? But what about the, the resources are there. But sometimes we get this list of, of, of buts and they paralyze us. We don't take action to address them. We don't take action to find answers. We just sit behind a wall of buts. Because sometimes, here's the truth, you don't, you don't want to know that there's actually a legitimate answer about Jesus and about the resurrection and about... I encourage you to be honest. At least be honest and explore the answers to your questions, right? And the church, right? The other example I love is Peter. Peter heard things from Jesus at times, and he, Peter being Peter, just he didn't like what he heard, so he would react, right? Remember in uh, Matthew, Jesus says, Hey, guys, I got to go to Jerusalem. They're going to kill me. It's not going to be pleasant. And Jesus says, not you, Lord. Come here. And the Bible says that he rebukes Jesus. And this is the famous get behind me, Satan. Why? Because Peter was reacting to something Jesus said that he didn't like. Not you. Nah. He's rebuking Jesus. Right? And then remember, Jesus says, hey, y'all are going to deny me. What does Peter say? Not me. Maybe them, but not me. You hear the but behind that, right? Even Peter, I love Peter because he's a wonderful example. He hears something directly from Jesus and still has a but moment. That's crazy, right? Because, you know, sometimes we think, if I was with Jesus, I would just have obeyed, you know? No, probably not. You know, how many of you identify with Peter the most? Like he's vocal, insert foot in mouth kind of guy, speak before you think. Right, that's kind of like me. I'd have been like Peter. Jesus would have said something. I'd say, dude, you're crazy. Right? So I love Peter. So, so practical step number one, if you want to deal with these butts, if you want to take a baby step before you leave today, you've got to acknowledge that even as a believer, you're in a battle. Galatians 5 says this, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. First step, you just got to admit you're in, you're in a battle between the flesh and the spirit. And so the root of your butt in your life is where? The flesh. You might as well just admit that. I don't want to. Much of the general category, you can say, but I don't have, but I don't, but I don't, really all under the general broad category, but I don't want to. Right? That's kind of the flesh. Admit it. You're, you and I constantly, it's the flesh, the spirit. And here's the wonderful thing. You have a choice. It's not always easy, but you do have a choice because the Bible says you have been given all things you need for life and godliness. You've been given the Holy Spirit. So you're in a battle, but you can choose. Which one are you going to choose? That's all. It comes down to a choice. Number two, identify with specificity your butts. Be very specific. It's even in your notes, I think, right, Shai? We put it in the sermon notes. I even gave you space. Write down. Think of an area. It could be relationships, finances, serving in the church, missions, forgiveness, habits, thoughts, sharing your faith, getting out of the boat, whatever you want to call it. Think of something right now that you have been struggling with in obedience and identify the buts. Not, just, just be real specific. Be honest. But what? But... Let me give you an example. Um, 
when we started the church nine years ago, I was praying. We were in a Bible study at Cindy's living room. It's grown 30-plus people. We're outgrowing it, praying about starting an official church. Had no facility. Had, you know, I was asking guys to be leaders in the living room, right? Few of the buts. We don't know the biggest, one of the biggest buts that I had personally, but aren't there enough churches in the valley? I had to wrestle with that one. But, Lord, I, there's, there's good churches. But, Lord, there's enough good churches in the valley already. Why do we need another one? That was a very legitimate but that I had to work through. But what are people going to think about me if I start a new church? And I had to, believe me, just the very fact that you're sitting here today goes back to nine years of wrestling with some very practical buts and personal buts about starting a church. That's why I talked to some guys in the valley. I said, okay, I'm now at the point. How many of you ever got to the point where you get what they call a paralysis of analysis? You like, you can justify five different routes to take. Anyone? You're like... So I got to that place, and, and I decided, okay, Lord, what am I going to do? So I call, literally called up, I think, five guys, diverse guys who knew me, knew the status of the church, knew what was happening, and I had coffee and lunch with them. And I said, hey, man, I, this is what God, I think, I think, to the best of my ability, this is what God is calling me to do. What do you think? I want you to just be permission to speak freely. Just let it fly. Tell me what you think. And I used their counsel. To help sort through the the butts. Because a lot of the butts were about me. A lot of the butts were rooted in my insecurities. And my fears of what people are going to think about me if I did this. If I did this. Right? It was really about me. Trying to protect myself. And trying to think of an easy way. And anything but. I felt like Moses. But, but Lord. But, you know, I'm going to get blasted online. But people are going to talk trash about me. But how are we going to live? How are we going to support ourselves? But, but it was all really about my own fears and insecurities. Right? And so I sought objectivity from, from men of God that I trusted. And sat in there. Right? Pastor Lynn sat at Ojai Pizza. Pastor Don sat in your kitchen. Right? Sat in his living room with you two. I just had to know. I had to help some men. I just had to get, guys, this is where I'm at. I'm struggling with this. This is a biggie. This is a biggie. When you pull the string on this, you can't, on, you can't pack it up and say, my bad. No, you're in. It's like a, it's a leap. But I had these buts. And I'm like, okay, but this, but this, but this. And at the core, it was like, it was all about me. My insecurities. My fear of the future, my fear of success, failure, all that kind of stuff. So you're in a battle. Take the time. Seriously, take the time. What's your but? But what? But what? Just be honest, okay? Then confess them. Confess them to God. He already knows them. Confess them. Say, Lord, here it is. Here's my list. I want to encourage you, though, as you go down the butts, God may start to stir in your heart and actually take some layers away. And it might be kind of painful at times as he reveals the root of where some of these butts are coming from. Because, for instance, if if area in my life was, was forgiveness for the stuff in the past, and I'm going through there and I'm feeling like struggling and I'm thinking it's all in my head, just forgive them, just forgive them, da-da-da-da-da. And, and I'm working through this area of forgiveness, and I'm like, Lord... But I don't want to. But that wasn't enough. It was like, okay, why don't you want to? It's not a justification. This because I don't want to is not an excuse for disobedience. Not forgiving as the Lord forgave. So he's like, he wouldn't let me off the hook. Because I don't want to. Why don't you want to? Because I'm angry. No, I take that back. I'm not angry. I'm raging. I am raging. And I hate them. That's why I don't want to. That's the butt. Because it lets them off the hook. Because it wasn't fair. Because I didn't do anything. That's what happens when you finally get to the butt level of God, with God. You know, it, 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 you get real and you get raw. And then, and then he brought some men in my life in San Diego who didn't preach at me, 
Well, there were times when I, you know, I was raging, like raging. And this one guy, I'll never forget him. He was a president of a bank, and he invited me to his house for breakfast. I'm like, dude, who does that, right? Because I was a new believer. I'm like, this is kind of weird. What do you want to do? I just want to get to know you. Well, I'm like, careful what you ask for, brother. Because <laughs> a little while later, I'm like raging in his, in his den in the morning. But he didn't preach at me. He just listened. And he let me rage. And he let me get it out. He let this pent-up butt be released through his love and compassion. And I, re- I experienced the grace of God through this man that sometimes I would be so hurt and he would just do this. And I'm like, I'm 25. And this is grown 40-year-old doing this. I'm like, this is kind of strange. Because I was so like, oh, right? So, so I get it. Sometimes our butts, you know, we, I try to lighten it with the video and it's kind of cliche. There's some of you, God is going to set you free. If you will ask yourself and be honest with why the butt this, but this, God may just zing you and show you something that has bound you for years and years. And you may just have a come to Jesus moment and you say, because I don't want to, God. Because it wasn't fair. And in that will come to freedom. In that will literally come to freedom to experience the grace of Father. And you say, I get it. Give that to me. Just give that to me. That's that's what it is to be a follower of Jesus. Right? Warts and all. Warts and all. Another step, commit to the church. Connect to the church. Right? Hebrews 10. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. This is why I'm so pained when people disconnect from the church. Because we're the body of Christ and we're supposed to be there. We're supposed to love one another. We're supposed to bear one another's burdens. We're literally supposed to be okay if someone says, hey, can I talk to you? Yeah. Hey, this is what's really going on in my life. And the church is supposed to love one another. Not point fingers. We speak the truth in love. We do. But how is somebody going to know the grace of God if they don't experience the grace of God at the human level. This is where the church does such a bad job sometimes. We point the fingers, we condemn, we, we do, 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 and all that God would say, do, 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 do. So you need to experience the grace of God. You know how confused you just left that person? You're so angry and condemning, and then you want them to have a loving relationship with the grace of God. No. (sighs) To demonstrate grace to someone is not to condone sin. To love someone is not to condone sin. It's to build a relationship so that they can have their real need met, which is in Jesus. And sometimes it's messy. And sometimes it takes a long, long, long time. But that's what the church is all about. Amen? That's what we're supposed to be doing. That's what we're supposed to be doing. And then finally, look at Jesus as you work through this list, these, you know, these butts in your life. Hebrews 12 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Here it is. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. So if you and I are struggling through this, and we're like, oh, but, 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 that verse says, take your eyes off of you and look at Jesus. Consider him. Consider him. Because when I go into myself, my justifications are huge. My self-justifications, my rationalizations, my excuses are huge. And that verse says, no, take your eyes off of you and look at Jesus, who didn't do anything wrong, who was sinless. 
Consider what he endured. If there's anyone who could have the great but, it was who? Jesus. And in fact, I love the Garden of Gethsemane. Because this week I, I really saw it differently. Right? Luke 22, it says, As he withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. You see, Jesus knew what was coming. He had told the disciples, they're going to kill me, they're going to torture me, I'm going to be raised from the dead, but i got to go through this. And I'm thinking that Jesus, it doesn't say the word but here, but he's in this moment, he's like, but Lord, do I really have to? But Lord, this is going to be agonizing. But Lord, this is going to be horrific. But Lord, this is going to be brutal. Father. And then in prayer, look what he says. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. So if you're struggling with the butts in your life, here's what you need to do. You need to go to prayer. You need to be honest with God. And you need to stay there long enough that your butt turns into nevertheless. You got to stay there and you got to pour out your heart to God. And at a certain point, you're going to have to make a choice to say, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. You take the butt off of you and you put it to him, but yours be done. That's done in prayer. You got to sit there long enough. Get it out on paper. Meet someone for coffee. Invite them to your house and just say, man, I'm struggling. And, and I, God's kind of showing me what the why, the buts, the, all the reasons I've been justifying, all the reasons I've been excusing. It's but this, but this, but this, but this, but this, but this, but her, but him, but that, but, but my boss, but, but, but. Get it out. That's what the church is for. Pray and ask God to change that list of buts to one word, nevertheless. Nevertheless, right? And then Jesus says this, Come to me, all who labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. In the rabbi-student culture, yoke was actually the body of teaching that a a rabbi had. His yoke was his body of teaching, his doctrine of teaching. So in this context, it's not necessarily agricultural. It's like Jesus says, hey, my teaching is light. I'm not going to burden you like all the religious Pharisees. They're burdening you. They're burdening you with their doctrine and all their laws. No, no, no. He says, hey, take my teaching upon you. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lonely in heart and you will find rest for your souls. That's what Jesus is saying. Come follow me. Come follow me. Follow me. But, 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 just come follow me. But, 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 just come follow me. Come follow me. And in your following, the beautiful thing is he's put you in the church to help you. I need it. Sometimes when I'm, when I'm praying about things for the church, that's why God has surrounded me with some godly elders here. Because I'll say, is this me? Am I, am I off track here? I got this but, but, and they'll, they'll challenge me. To directly challenge me. Because I understand I can get in my head and my flesh that fast. So I need people in my life. Just like you do. You need people in your life. Just keep you following Jesus one step at a time. Amen? Amen. Lord, thank you. Thank you, God, that uh, you remind us that while following you may not be overly complicated, man, sometimes it is challenging. And we're really good at taking out a list of but this and but that, but I can't, but I never, and but that person did this. And we've got our lists, God. And so in this time of, of reflection, I'm going to ask you very specifically to be very specific with us. Bring things to our heart and our mind about the list that we're so versed in. It's second nature now. We have our top five, our top ten, but this, but that. And quite frankly, we're stuck. We're stuck. 
we're not walking by faith and obedience anymore. We're, we're walking in the flesh, hiding behind a list of buts. So help us be specific, be honest, be true to you. And Lord, I think of this song that you are a good, good father. You are a good, good father. Your word is good. You desire our good. And because of that, you don't tell us what we just want to hear. It's really what we need to hear. In your goodness, you tell us what we need to hear through your word. So, Lord, I pray that this song is a great reminder of your goodness. But also, Lord, is a time that that we could really be honest. And maybe with specificity, just be be real about... uh, the things that are holding us back.